And I went and I really did the work. And some of the work was 12 step. Some of it was. But my thing about 12 step programs for relationships is they're not really uh, very good because they don't really teach connection. They teach abstinence and they teach celibacy and they teach um, like it's not a substance. Like relationships are um, a skill. Right. And so the, the way that you get better at relationships is by being in relationship with people. Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome back. If you have been listening to this podcast and welcome, if you're new here, that's exciting. I'm thrilled in this episode to share a conversation I had with a brilliant and powerful teacher, Perry Chase. I have learned so much from her and continue to deeply appreciate her transmissions and guidance. I first began studying with Perry during my fifth house perfection year at age 28, Essentially, the perfection year is a Hellenistic timing tool, and this is a year at age 28 that relates to creativity and joy. I feel like studying with Perry really opened up my cosmological understanding of creativity and how the things that I create, like my writing and courses, etc., actually come through my vessel and body. A little bit about Perry. Perry is a mama, wife, woman, channel, teacher, and practitioner of deep devotion to the feminine. She lives a life in service to the deepest truth as an energy in all things and beings. She believes that our total and truest full expression is our soul's purpose. She teaches pathways in life, relationships, expression, sacred medicine, and business that all center the frequency of feminine truth including her foundations and energetic mastery path, Devotion. She created the embodiment modality Sex Bomb and the unique business pathway, Magic-Led Business. She lives in Arizona with the love of her life, Kellen, and their daughter. The awarenesses that I'm coming into contact with from her programs are literally so massive. I feel like my life has already changed quite a bit and that I'm also both unraveling certain layers and gradually implementing new ways of being that relate to things like having more access to my emotional range or being able to cry spontaneously in front of people instead of holding my tears back to trusting my magic enough to go slow and be in alignment with my body rather than extracting from myself by overworking to being able to catch myself in more instances where I get into victim consciousness and intentionally taking more responsibility in my life. And I already talked last year on this podcast about daily self-pleasure as a lifestyle. You know, it was only a few weeks into that fifth house perfection year that I got the synchronicity about daily self-pleasure and committed to that. And it's only continued to be an emphasized theme through what I've learned in Perry's community. It's expanded past pleasure and also really about 
nervous system expansion and being in truth with the body. Astrology to me, um, which is one of my deepest devotions, has always been a practice of combining the illumination and the insights from astrology with a life lived and you know, deepening into intimacy with life. And what I've learned more recently about embodiment has been a really valuable and impactful thing um, in every area of my life. So with deep appreciation for Perry and her teachings and the community she's created, it's such an honor to have her here. We got to discuss her astrology as well, which was also really exciting. In this episode, we discussed love addiction, which is definitely something I've struggled with as well and do encounter with a lot of my clients. It's pretty widespread. And I'm finding more and more that making poor choices in love over and over again isn't something for me to just speak for myself that goes away magically on its own, but really leads to a deeper need for clarity and repatterning and taking new levels of responsibility around how I participate in connection and what my standards are, becoming more self-aware about how I'm participating in connection, you know, to even begin with, and then working from there. Relationship is so crucial. It's so instrumental. It's so present. And it's really wonderful to encounter thinkers, teachers, examples like Perry, who have some really valuable codes about relationship and relating, which is something that, you know, is so very important and is also, you know, the distortions about relationship are so common that having a, um, a map of some other options can be really world opening. So a few announcements before we begin, I'm on schedule to end my YouTube hiatus, which also means that the hiatus around sharing audio versions of the weekly forecast here, um, will be coming to a close as my fiction novel, The Garden of Sleeping Hammers, will very soon be out. So I was taking some time to focus on that and just kind of rest and reorient with all of the stuff that has come up from moving and moving twice, being in a new place, all of that. So I'm really looking forward to sharing those again. They've been in written form at monarchastrology.com, but I know a lot of you listening here connect with the audio or video versions, and I'm excited to be coming back. I'll also be running another Kickstarter like I did last year to fund a year ahead of content creation. June will mark the beginning of my seventh year writing weekly forecast, so June 2021, and we're a few years into this podcast as well. So this Kickstarter is an opportunity for anyone who finds, you know, that you benefit from this content that you like being here, listening to the podcast or reading the forecasts. Um, it's a way to support that going for another year. Stay tuned for more information about this. I'll be asking for your support and offering a variety of experiences through the Kickstarter. And now I'll leave you to this conversation with Perry Chase. excited to have you here. Thank you. I am excited. I'm really excited for this conversation based on 
you know, what we talked about and uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I'm always honored to be a guest on people's podcasts. So thank you for wanting me to share with your audience and you. Yeah, I'm honored to have you here. And I've learned and grown so much from uh, like being with your teachings, being in your community, and you've cultivated this really amazing community. Um, I feel like my experience of Facebook even has gotten like exponentially better because I see posts from people in your community that are just fire all of the time. Um, And for the listeners on this podcast who haven't been acquainted with you yet, um, can you introduce yourself and tell us how you got on this path of teaching and being in service to the feminine? Yeah. Um, Well... I would say that to, to, to nail down, right? Um, I would say it found me more than I found it. And the way that I look at that is that um, the, the thing that wants to move through me is so strong that it just ripped through anything in my life that wasn't true over time, you know? And um, I had a very strong force of will (laughs) and a lot of resistance. And I think it's important to tell people that because like, I mean, I was a very highly resistant person. And I think that sometimes like the more power that we're working with, the more resistant we are because you have to be able to balance the human and the power. Like there's a responsibility to it. So, um, I would say, you know, my journey, I mean, my journey has been lifelong, right? If I, if I really go back and I look at the milestone moments, I can find a lot of them retroactively. Um, from, you know, when I was young and when I was a teenager and things like this, but, um, Uh, I wasn't really aware of them at the time. So I I would not say that that's kind of where I would say my conscious journey really began in 2008 when I met an enlightened master in Bali by accident. And, you know, it's like you say it's by accident, right? It's obviously meant to be. Um, When I say by accident, I mean, I really wasn't looking for it. Like I met some girls at a bar, a sunset cocktail kind of situation. And we were talking, they were from Canada. I was living in Hong Kong at the time. I went to Bali all the time on the weekends and, you know, the things that you do. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, they, they were like, Oh, we're here for this retreat. And I thought it was like a yoga retreat or something. And, um, they were like, you need to come meet him. And I had no idea what, like I, I say this all the time, like at this time of my life, I think I had read the secret. That was it. Like I thought, I think that was like the extent of my, um, magical and spiritual in- initiation. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> was like, this is so awesome. Um, but just so, because, because I think that, you know, a lot of people go seeking out enlightened masters and stuff and they like want this path and all of that. And I just really was not me. Like, I just really never cared. It was not something that I wanted at that time in my life. 
I was very successful headhunter on Wall Street, like running my company's Hong Kong office. I, you know, I was making over a million dollars a year by the time I was 26. Like I, you know, had built this whole life for myself, but I um, was kind of, I was really unhappy and I was obviously very disconnected from my soul. And uh, I would say that was the beginning of the dismantlement of the false life I had built for myself. There's a lot that I could talk about here. You can buy my book later when I write it. (laughs) (laughs) And and there are other things out there where I talk about my story a bit more. Um, But I I feel like we have other things to talk about today. So, you know, this was a big moment. And then the other big moment was when a friend of mine invited me to a class on orgasmic meditation in 2012. And I was like, what? I was like, what is this? I was like, pussy stroking? Like, what, what is this? Like, what, why are you going to this? You know, like, I was like, I'm good in that department. Like, I don't (laughs) understand, you know, and, and, but I was curious enough and I had a ton of ambivalence. I was just like, gonna go. And then I wasn't going to go. And then I went and I was, I was really called and drawn. And, um, I couldn't explain why, like there was just something these people had. I was like, there's something here for me. And I just kept following that. I had no idea. I was running a tech company. I was like a, the CEO of a tech startup at the time. And I would, I remember I joined, um, this was one taste, right? I joined their coaching program and I was like, I am never going to be a coach. I don't think you understand. I am a tech CEO. Like, you know, and, and, um, and again, like I was super, I had very masculine values. I had very, um, uh, masculine orientation. And then like the, the way that my path just went, it just undid me, you know, like it literally just undid me. And, uh, the more that I woke up, the more I was like, Oh, this is the only thing there is like, this is it. This like spot of truth that is available when you are totally aligned with this thing that's bigger than you. I mean, nothing is really interesting after that. And so here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love that you had that experience because I feel like what you teach does have this unraveling element to it. And there is a a slowness about it, especially with devotion. um, Your feminine, Right. Well, that's the feminine path, right? So like the feminine path is quite deconstructive it's the left-hand path it's the it's the it's the constant undoing of the illusion back to back to nothing and truth right yeah and so and there's a connection here with embodiment and being in relationship with your pussy basically um well, the pussy, I mean, to me, and it was really funny because I said to my teacher, just, I would say about a few months before sex bomb, I was like, nope, I'm not doing pussy work in the world. I'm like, that's not mine to do. And she's like, okay, sure. you know. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, when, when everybody was at home and 
doing COVID. I was doing a lot of breath work and I was like, God, there's just something fucking missing. I was like, like without pussy, it's just not complete for me. And it was just, you know, all upper, upper lungs and body and all of this stuff. And I was like, no, like pussy is needed for transformation, especially like if you have a pussy. Right. Um, but it, to me, the, the feminine path is also the path of descent, right? It's, it's, we're not, we're not, a lot of people talk about this, this ascension thing, right? We're not ascending. We're descending. We're coming into the body. We are bringing like galactic size divinity into a human body. Like that is, that is the path of the feminine. You know, everybody talks about like, Oh, we're going up and like all this love and light and shit. And that's like, there's this place where if you're not in your body, you're just another egoic, you're you're still in your ego, right? You're just, you're not in your body. Does that make sense? It does. And I I also just, you know, remember like I have such a upper chakra connection and like clairvoyant kind of stuff. And at the beginning of really deepening into my spiritual path, all the psychics and mystics I would talk to would be like, you're not in your body. They'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And it takes, it took me time to kind of find that connection and understand. And it still deepens. Yeah, of course it does. We all do. And and the thing is, it's like, um, there's two things I want to say to this because I think it's important for you. First of all, there's a lot of new star seeds that haven't quite gotten the, the hang of being human yet. They're not really fully in the body. They haven't really figured out how to, you know, manifest on this level, make money, do things mm. that are, they're just kind of like here talking to everybody about Ascension and it's, it's a little bit off. It's, it's a, it's a bit young and distorted. Um, obviously we're all star seeds, right? So we're all like, it's just a matter of how long we've been here. And, um, but I, I would say that's an important thing to remember, right? Is that like, there's, there's people out there that are talking about Ascension, but they're not really understanding, um, what it means to be human and you're here having a human experience. And so being human in the body <laughs> is, is part of this choice is part of this ride. It's not about not being human. Right? Totally. It's about the combination of the divinity and the human, which by the way is exactly what Jesus was teaching and nobody really got it. Um, <laughs> and, and the second thing on this that I'll say is that like, um, the, the, the reason that being embodied is so hard too, is because we have so much trauma, right? So like we have so much trauma in our history, both genetically, epigenetically, uh, in our own lifetimes, all of this stuff. And really when you start running universal energy through that trauma, you will inevitably experience pain because it's there to the energy, the universal energy. It's like, it just highlights everything that is out of alignment. And so if we have pain and I grew up with a lot of abuse and trauma and all of this stuff. So like, and and I also was adopted. So I have that like super early pre-verbal, like lost trauma. And it's, it's really in my body. And the more work I've done to do what I do, 
the more I have to work on my body because, um, it's, it's, it hurts if, if you, if you are storing things that, uh, need, need to be released and moved. Right. And so a lot of people don't want to feel that, but unfortunately it's, it's like cleaning out a pussy wound, you know, like you kind of just have to go in and do it. Um, and everybody's going to do it at their own pace. I mean, it could take lifetimes, right. To actually like clear some of the stuff that we're doing. And so, I mean, you, I think you mentioned this in some sense, but this energy that's moving through you, that's so powerful that it just has to express what is it that compels you to do the work of excavating or being in the body or being with pain in that way? I mean, look, I, at the end of the day, we all have the same mission and journey here. It's just a matter of like where we are in the like path of our soul. And so like, to me, like, there's just, it's just a fact, right? Like I, 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 for, for, for me, um, I don't know how to explain this because it's, it's, I, f- I feel like it's, it's a question that's, uh, say it one more time because I want to see if I can understand like what you're like the question under the question. Yeah. What compels you to be on this path, you know, to be with the, and perhaps maybe even, no, okay. there's no other, because once you're on it, there's no other choice. Okay. You just you you really can't go back. Like I've tried. Yeah. Trust. Me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, like to to me, it, it's it's uh you you hit a point where it's too painful to do anything else. Like you you just you just have to keep going. Um. It's 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 like you've hooked on to something, and it takes quite a lot of. I mean, the, the relation to not be victimized by it, or you have to have faith. You have to create this level of faith with, with the thing, the energy. Right. And, um, I mean, well, well here, let, let's, let's talk about you for a second. You're, you're going through this now. Okay. Like how long have you been with me? Um, around, like probably nine months or so. Okay. So now that you've started to see things that you didn't see before, if I said to you, like, why are you going to continue? What is the answer? Like regardless of whether it's with me or not, right? Like this is your path now. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels true. It feels like real and there's something grounding and there is something pleasurable about it too. And not pleasurable in like an up and out kind of way, but a, an earthy kind of pleasure. Um, and I just feel the, um, I feel the direct reflection in my external reality uh, where things start to click into place and I feel more connected. And yeah. It feels, you know, I've always loved literature and like thinking about the human condition and, 
you know, as a kid or as a teenager, it was almost kind of like being a witness to these other kind of grand dramas and, you know, studying the craft of writing and being in life deeper, being intimate with life is something that I really love. And I feel like a lot of your transmissions give me these codes to like step deeper into that connection to life itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then like it's, it's to me, it's kind of like if you had been eating fake food your whole life and then you like discovered the real thing, I mean, you wouldn't be going back. No, you just don't, you know, it's, it's, it's the lifting of the veil. Right. And then, and then you kind of can't really go back. I've tried, I've tried, you know, I've given up so many things on this pathway. I gave up alcohol a couple of years ago. Before that, I was like, there was no chance that I was ever giving up alcohol. I'm working with a, I'm working with a detox coach right now. And she's like, yeah, you'll probably give up coffee. I'm like, I am not giving up coffee. And she's like, you probably just will. And I'm like, God damn it. I was like, this is taking away all of my things. So like, there's a part of me that gets victimized a little bit sometimes. It's like all the things that I just really like to enjoy are not working anymore. Yeah. And, and then we have to say like, oh, was I really enjoying them? Was I, you know, I can look back at my life, you know, when I was, um, you know, back that first iteration of making lots of money and like partying and flying around the world and doing lots of things. And, and the thing is, I can look back at that nostalgically and be like, oh, I was having so much fun. I thought I was having so much fun. But the truth is, I was actually pretty miserable and disconnected. So it's like I have this memory of it like being really fun. But the truth is, was it really fun? Not to this person, not to who I am now. Right. Right. I really, oh, sorry. I really like this um, clarity that you bring into your transmissions and your capacity to like pierce through things. Um, it's very inspiring. And I can see it in your chart and it's <laughs> wonderful. But um, oh, I love that you're going to bring the astrology in. Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah, sure. Okay. So you're Leo Sun. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Let me, I'm actually going to share my screen so I can, here we are. Um, Leo Sun, Sagittarius Moon, Taurus Rising. And your Ascendant, so Taurus is ruled by Venus and you have Venus in Libra conjunct Mars and Libra. And I think actually I saw in a comment thread one time that you had Mars and Libra and it always stuck with me because I feel like Mars and Libra really understands um, what's happening in a group field and how to be assertive in groups um, or how to say things that aren't like uh, typically nice or people pleasy because Mars cuts and Libra is about, you know, the social arts and graces. <laughs> So I love that. And something, you know, when I got to pull up your chart, something that really drew me is that your moon in Sag is surrounded by these two goddess asteroids. Um, the goddesses are like very like loud here in your chart. But Vesta... I've actually never, can I tell you, I've never heard of these goddess asteroids before. So oh. I, love that you're, I love that you're sharing this. I have no cool. idea what they are. Oh, cool. Vesta and Athena are like, I love them so much. Vesta is a temple priestess and she actually has a pre-patriarchal version of her myth and a patriarchal version and in the pre-patriarchal time she's like a sacred um 
sex worker, essentially. Um, and she's (laughs) yeah. And in the patriarchal time, she becomes a fire tender and she takes this vow of celibacy and Of course they would make that the story in a patriarchal story. That's not true. (laughs) And so sex workers don't become celibate. (laughs) So this Vestal kind of thing, like in the kind of mix of the two, she has this memory of ecstatic sexuality and total celibacy. So she has this really interesting inner flame that she always keeps alive. And she is herself a living transmission. She is the temple herself. And she's really like a, I feel like the way that she protects the sacredness of her temple is through, um, I don't know if gatekeeping is the best word, but it's what I have at the moment where it's like, she knows who to not let in or knows who's not ready for the transmission. Um, Totally. Yeah, you you know, being in my community, how gated it is. Yeah, it's for it's just an energy. It's just an energetic gate, but it's clear, right? And I think there's something you know. I didn't even know that you have the Vesta Moon conjunction, but when I was teaching Vesta recently, I talked about how she relates to uh, demonization if people can't handle the fire. <laughs> So a sense of like a transmission that someone's, you know, not actually energetically ready for. And so it's the vestal, you know, kind of path to create the sacred space and to radiate that energy out and manage who can come in and come out. Yep. That sounds about right. (laughs) And she relates to devotion, which is literally the name of like one of your main like programs. Um, or I don't know if you would say it's the main, but it's like an entry. No, it is. I mean, it's the ground. I mean, it's it's the requirement for everything. And then Athena is this amazing strategist goddess. She literally is about pattern recognition, which is like something that you talk about a lot as well. Um, and she's so strategic. She knows when she wants to get somewhere, she knows exactly how to get there. So she has like a um, a kind of brilliance to her. Wow. I, this is the first time anyone has ever told me this. So I'm really loving this. Thank you for this information. Yeah. And I guess one other thing uh, that I want to add here is having Jupiter and cancer, which often relates to people who have a lot of abundance to share with their community. And you do have a lot of generosity. And I think that that's a Leo quality as well. But Jupiter and cancer like really takes care of their community. They have this kind of like way of um resourcing people around them and it's conjunct black moon lilith who's a goddess about you know the deep feminine or the the mysteries of the feminine so they're working together you know jupiter also relates to teaching so i really love to see how the goddesses are like super emphasized in your chart i just love this because this is literally i've never had this reading before no one has ever told me so Oh, I actually, I, I actually, you know what? This actually segues into what we are going to talk about today, cool. because um, I was and and uh, are we doing video? By the way, no. <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, I did not prepare for video today, but that's okay because I was like, oh, you're sharing your screen. I was like, oh, is that for everybody? Um, I'm not looking. I'm not looking video ready today, folks. Um, but no, this this really, uh, this really 
translates into my relationship with astrology translates into the conversation that we were going to have today about love addiction. If you, if, if I can, can start going there. Yeah. Um, so I was obsessed with astrology for a really long time and um, in a kind of unhealthy way. And, and it was, it was very attached to my obsession with love addiction and fantasy around relationships and like meeting someone and just like for, for the majority of my life, literally the majority of my life, I spent in hopeless obsession and fantasy around relationship. And I was always fixated on someone from like the time I was five and all the way through. And I it wasn't until I was with my friends at one taste that like someone pointed this out to me and like gave me the book, uh, women who love too much to read. And I was like, Holy shit, this is a thing. Like, what are you talking about? You know? And I, and I went through periods of, of not being in relationship at all and like really hating relationships and not wanting. And then I had like really long-term, I had some really good long-term relationships, but in the middle, like I just was really not good at dating really bad at dating. And part of this was because of this, um, this, this love addiction, uh, which was very much thinking that like a man was going to save me like from something, you know, like it was just this constant feeling of like, I'll be okay when I'll have the thing that I want when, Right. And we could do this in so many different ways in our life. It's compensatory desire. But um, I see love addiction a lot. And uh, I alchemized it. I did a lot of work to alchemize it. And um, I'll just say that uh, I finally had a relationship where I was just like, I'm done with this. Like, whatever this thing is that I keep doing, um, because not only does it make it difficult to be in a relationship, it also destroys relationships because when you're not in real time with another human being, you're also going to play out patterns, right? And a lot of my patterns were playing out patterns of abandonment, like meaning like the belief that somebody is going to abandon me, like go all the way back to my birth, the feeling of that abandonment, forcing that onto the relationship so that I can feel it again. Right. And then I just have this constant replay of the wound. So I could keep playing that out. And, um, you know, eventually I was like, I'm fucking done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I went and I really did the work and some of the work was 12 step. Some of it was, but my thing about 12 step programs for relationships is they're not really uh, very good because they don't really teach connection. They teach, abstinence and they teach celibacy and they teach um like it's not a substance like relationships are um a skill right and so the the way that you get better at relationships is by being in relationship with people and so one of the things that is definitely my path and I love that it was in my astrology as well is like I am a master of patterns like I can see them, I can extract them, I can break them down, I can change them, like I can see them like a surgeon. And 
the thing about the relationship one, and I have this program that I developed right after I went through it, that, you know, through my own process called relationship detox is it's really about seeing who you are in relationship and how you keep showing up the same, even though the faces are changing. And, and a big piece of this too is, is how we choose our partners. You know, there's like a lot of relationship coaches out there who are very focused on um, stoking the flames of women scorned by abusive men. <laughs> hmm. And as somebody who uh, was in a relationship where like, you know, he would say things to me like, yeah, I will kill you and they will never find your body and like all kinds of things. And what's sick about this is that I stayed. I stayed with him until um, my, I was, I was running a startup at a time. I don't think I've ever told this before, but um, I was running a startup at the time. And like, he was so um, like, like he, he would say things like, I'll get you pregnant and then tell people that you're crazy and I'll take the baby from you. And then there was a place where like, he would also be like, um, um, uh, there, there was something that happened where like, I felt like it was going to threaten my company. And that's when I left. And it was interesting because at the time, it like threatening me with death wasn't actually enough. Threatening my livelihood was. So it was a very like sobering moment for me in that whole thing. But here's the thing. I chose him. I chose him. I chose to stay. I chose to play out these things with him. Now, it's so important. This might, well, this may be a lot for some people. Okay. Because some I, people say I didn't. I didn't have a choice. And I do recognize the fact that we're dealing with life or death situations here. And I, I don't actually want to minimize the difficulty that that women go through and the intense fear and the fact that like, like women are disproportionately killed by insane partners. So I, I don't I want to make sure like I really um, handle this particular thing carefully because there are real world things um, that are life and death that are very serious and, um, caution needs to be taken and, um, uh, caution needs to be taken and, uh, a lot of compassion and grace needs to be given. So let me just say that, but here's the deal. If you've chosen an abusive partner, you will, even if you get out, you will choose another one again. And unfortunately, like, unless you do serious work, right? So like what I saw when I, like with this particular person, um, I was like, wow, if I continue on this path, I'm going to end up dead. Like, that's just it. Like, if I don't change anything here, this is just going to keep getting louder and escalate until I'm either physically harmed or dead. And that woke me up and it wasn't just like me being, you know, it wasn't him. I chose him. I chose to stay with him. 
right? There were, there was a whole lot that was getting played out and it's so hard to talk to people who have been victimized about personal responsibility, but on a spiritual level, there is only personal responsibility. And so if you want to apply a spiritual framework to a real world situation where you're like, I do not want to experience this anymore. Then you have to look at what is going on inside of you. Like, how are you even available for that? What about you and your choices and your decisions and your thoughts about yourself and your desperation for a relationship or any of this lands you in a situation with someone like that? Right. And me, I think there were places where it's like, I didn't really want to change who I was. And so I dated down. I dated down. I dated down. And what dating down is, is it's basically like, um, it's a control and a manipulation tactic, actually. Because it's basically saying like, um, I know that I'm better. Like, I know that I'm a good catch for you. And so I'm going to be in this relationship with you. Uh, and you're not really going to leave me because I'm too good for you. Uh, and then you get into this situation and then they can end up being abusive. Like, there's just all of these things, right? I, I, I hope this is making sense to people. But you have to really, really, really unpack who you are in relationship and... Um, look at all of the truths, the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth, and the facts of how you show up and people really lose their minds when they start to do that. Some people can't do it. Um, you know, you'll do it when you're ready. By this conversation... Um, if you find yourself being activated by this conversation, what I would say is like, you may not be ready to hear this and that's okay. Like you're on your path. I trust your path. You are a sovereign being and you're playing out exactly what you need to play out for your soul's highest purpose. So like, there is no shame in being where you are. And, um, you know, I just, I just really want you to give yourself compassion and grace wherever you are on this journey. And I just want to make sure I say that because, you know, sometimes people hear spiritual level conversation and they're not actually ready for it. And then they get very activated by it. So I just want to give that as a, a yes. And so when, if somebody is ready and they're like, I am done. I, Perry, show me the way. Like, show me what I need to see. I created an entire process. It's like self, self-guided self process. It's not even me saying like, this is what you need to see. It's you going through your own process so that you see the things yourself. And it's painful. Super painful. But needed. Yeah. So anyway, astrology, but so astrology. So, so during all that time and this love addiction and all of this stuff, I was, I was always checking my chart to figure out like if I had good auspicious 
um, timing to meet someone. And I was just constantly like that. And so when I, when I got sober from love addiction, I just ended my relationship with astrology and I ended my relationship with most, um, diagnostics. So I don't like, I don't use human design. Uh, I, I, I look at them occasionally and just to like know what they are, but I do not go dive deep into gene keys or HD or astrology anymore or Enneagram. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't love tools where people get really attached to their identity. However, I love what you did. Like, I love the use of astrology as a weather map. And I know they're all meant to be like that, but I'm just saying my own. Um, this comes up in my, um, my teaching and stuff. Cause with being an astrologer and like, in a sense, having a, an interest or a devotion and continuing to do it, I come up against a lot of the ways it can be unhealthy. And if there are, yeah. Yeah. It's just when people make it a, 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 um, so, so in my work, everything is about not crystallizing your identity. Right. And so, you know, when people start being like, Oh, well, my behavior is like this because I'm a so-and-so and it's yeah. like, no, that may be an aspect of it. And there may be things that match up and make sense, but it should never be a crutch or an excuse. Right. One of the words for it, um, for the, on the astrological side is multivalence. Like all of the archetypes have an infinite way that they can express. So you yeah. can't really locate a part of your chart and be like, well, that's why I'm this way at the end. Uh, Cause that's just an yeah, interpretation yeah, yeah. of the chart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just think that um, sometimes people like to hide behind interpretations. So it's, it's just a good, good thing to, um, you know, to highlight and, and, and how to have a healthier relationship with the information, which is, it can be, can very, be very illuminating. I have another question about love addiction. Um, say for like relationships that aren't like so outwardly abusive, but oh, yeah, yeah. Like the pattern around like unavailability or being attracted to someone distant. Um, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's an avoidance of intimacy. Um, it was one of my patterns was um, my I was a big chaser. Right. And so what it looked like was I was really, really desperately interested. But the thing, if you like, and I'm just going to use a hand motion here for those of you listening, I'm, I'm motioning my hands outward um, in a chasing motion, like pointing outward. And, and that is not a receptive motion. It is a pushing away motion. And so chasing and like looking like you're desirous of something is tricky because really what you're doing is you're pushing away. And then of course you're uh, choosing unavailable people because the truth is underneath that, the pattern is um, that you're actually uh, afraid of intimacy or don't actually want intimacy, but you think you want intimacy. Right. And so it's safer hmm. 
to want that from someone who can't give it to you. Yeah. I love the phrase. I love love the phrase that you use of like this will fuck you up a little bit (laughs) when you have like truths about things because it it is that and it is liberating. Like it it's it's fire. I love that. Um, I think the unavailability one is. Well, people don't see. You have to be in a certain mindset, right? So, like. If you're in the mindset that like everything is is these men and there are no I love when people are like, there are no good men. I'm like, it only takes one, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and um, it's it's just about holding. uh, And I'll tell the story about how I met my husband. So I because I because I think this is important. Um, One of the things that when I work with people on relationships is I'm always like, you need to set your boundaries and standards first meaning you really need to know what you're yes to and like what's really important must haves, not your preferences. Like preferences is in that golden pussy sort of realm and golden, golden pussy is the, the preferential woman. Like, Oh, I can only date a man who like makes this much money a year. And like, Oh, I can only date a man who like, um, you know, has a job like this. And I can only date a man like blah, 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 blah. And, and really what you're doing is you're just creating like an objectified list of like how you are going to require him to be X, Y, and Z metrics, which is actually quite mental in order to um, open for him. Meaning like you're not actually, unless there's an exchange, which is different than like, I want to be with someone who's financially healthy. I want to be with someone who's sober. I want to be with someone who has a good connected relationship with their family or, or, you know, you can say these, it's these things as must haves. It's the same thing with like, I will not, uh, I will not date someone who has a history of violent violence in their background. I will not date somebody who has a drug addiction. I will not date somebody who has children. Like you might, that might be a hard no for you. I might date, I, I don't want to date someone who doesn't want children, right? Like there's a difference between preferences and hard notes. And um, the thing about, um, where was I before this? I was telling that in order to come back to something. We were saying, Around being open. Oh, about, about being responsible. Right. So if we think that like, um, you know, you, you kind of need to know these things before you go out and, and make connection. Oh, I was telling my, the, the story of my husband. So I was an, a practitioner of orgasmic meditation. And uh, at the time, uh, when I went and did all of my work afterwards, I was like, I will only date a man who is willing to do this practice. I was very clear about it. Like meaning if, if he wasn't willing to learn and he wasn't willing to um, understand the practice and, you know, and people were like, Perry, really? Like there aren't a whole lot of guys. Like, you know, it's, you know, this is such a limited universe. Like, don't you, don't you want to have like (laughs) a more expanded choice and selection? And I, was like, no, I'm really clear. This is a must have, like, it's a non-negotiable thing for me. And within weeks, my husband, um, came to an event that I was running in the community 
And uh, he very creepily came up and rubbed my shoulders after the event. And I was like, no, I'm not really like the kind of person that people just walk up to and touch. Um, so this was like a really funny <laughs> moment. Um, non, non-consensual back rub from my husband um, before he was my husband. But I was just sort of like, who is this guy? And then, you know, and then, and then, you know, he was there and he learned and he was part of the community, but like, ultimately we, uh, you know, that was, that was it. We got engaged less than a year later and got married and all the things. Right. Um, and I could talk a whole lot more about that, but uh, the, the thing too, in that situation was like, I was really clear that that was a requirement for me, but also in meeting him, um, there, there were a couple of moments where I, I thought I was going to friend zone him. Like there was a couple of moments where I was like, I think he's just too nice. Like, I, I don't feel the same, like, like, uh, addiction, you know, like the addiction was a clue for me that I liked someone and I had to rewire. I had to rewire a lot of that. And I had to really let him in, right? So I had to really deepen and soften and open for the the connection. The connection wasn't on the static electricity side of the outside, meaning like we actually have quite a stable connection and the the electricity is actually deep down. It's like under the surface. So what what that means is that we're not constantly in this toxic polarization because like that's really what ends up happening like you said there's like you know with constant fighting and constant like like game playing and manipulation and all the stuff that happens in in those in in a lot of relationships frankly um because people like the friction and they like the polarization ours is like like deep like it's on on the surface we we are really smooth and then underneath that like there's like this well of just unbelievable electricity that's so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) but i mean I, i mean i would never see if i hadn't done the work that i did i would never have I would never have chosen him, nor would I have been available, like to even feel him at that level. Like we we just would not have been able to connect. And um, I also hit a point of, of really releasing the need to be with someone in order to have it. The mystery, <laughs> um, the energetic of that. I I want to ask you about like openness and just, I feel like one of the, the major shifts that I've felt in my life from um, studying with you is having a deeper embodied experience of what openness is. Mm. And you said something I think in Spark, I don't remember the exact quote, but it really hit for the difference between having like a masculine orientation of like, how hard can you work for like work stuff, for example, versus how open can you be? Yeah. 
was paradigm shifting. Well, you know, our working model is masculine in the world. Like we, we have a masculine work culture, not gender, but just, just, um, we, we have a couple of things that make it masculine are the fact that, um, we have a problem and solution based business culture, right? You need a problem. There's a solution. The masculine gets to come and fix it. Very productive. You know, we're going to fix problems. <laughs> and, um, and then we are compensated for fixing those problems. So the compensation becomes a direct reflection of the production, which means the value, right? And then everybody's value is based on what they produce and do, right? Whereas the feminine model is like, you are intrinsically valuable just as your being. And uh, it is it is really a connection to being in service to, and this is the magic-led business philosophy, is, is the question is, what are you in service to? And you are in service to a bigger energy when you learn how to serve that energy and you learn how to stay open, you're also completely open to all of the abundance and the resources that the universe wants to provide for you. And the more that you service, the more that you're in alignment with what the universe wants to create through you, the more the universe is going to help you out because it wants you to be well-resourced so you can keep doing your work. And that has absolutely been the truth for me um, at every juncture of like the more open and the more that I can hold, uh, the more money comes into it. And it's not done from this taking, yeah. grinding, hustling. It just sort of like is. And it's one of the reasons that I built the magically business model because um, there, there's a whole other way and set of philosophies of doing business that I, that I work with that do not have this outward directional taking like my whole business is like a vortex, right? It's yeah. not, it's like, it, it's, it's all inward, both from an attraction perspective, uh, from a sales perspective, from a monetary perspective. It's just, it's literally just a big open pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, perhaps on that note, um, how can people find your work? <laughs> so I, you know, me, I don't really like to sell my work. Um, I, I really encourage people to find me, follow me, watch my videos. And there is a very clear energetic gate for people. And I find that people fall in um, a few different camps. Like one is it's so clear and obvious and they just come in and, you know, find a way to, to, you know, there's, there's people can come to a sex bomb. I do once a month. I do the portals once a month, which are these like long one day workshop and shamanic experiences. Um, they're really epic and life tr transforming. Um, and I do them so that, you know, not everybody is either willing or ready or able to do the long-term work with me. Um, and so these are kind of really good ways to, to come in. Um, and then I'm moving off Facebook, you know, we're, we're moving off Facebook. So there's going to be some opportunities to come into my new, I, I haven't had my own app and community and I'm going to create a couple of other layers for people who just kind of want to be in the field and have a place to, 
like a central place for all my, my public work and also to just like be in the community. So there'll be some other, everything's paid. Um, because I, I like energetics exchange. Uh, I think it's also really good for people to invest in their, um, like it's a, it's a, it's a good way for people to make sure they're really a yes. And I, I do, I do give it scholarships when, when it's appropriate. Uh, that's what I'll say about that. But if people can go to houseoffire.com. I have like lots of websites, <laughs> houseoffire.com. Um, follow me on Instagram, perry.chase, uh, Facebook. You know, they, maybe you can find me if you want to find me and then, and then make a determination if, if I'm for you, if I'm not for you, don't worry about it. I'll leave the links. Yeah. Um, and yeah, your, your transmissions are really brilliant and, um, compelling. So I'm so grateful that, um, I got to interview you, um, and introduce you to maybe some people who haven't, um, encountered you before and yeah i'm just so grateful for all of the um the shifts and like embodiment the deeper embodiment that i felt in my life um and the deeper connection with magic on the material plane as well the grounded magic that you teach oh good yes yes you you need to be in your body to like really manifest it's 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 the the embodied power is what makes things happen on the 3d so it's a, it's important. It's good. I'm really glad to hear that you're having that experience. Um, because really we're creators. We are, we are creators. We are what the universe uses as like a canvas to create through, you know, we are the extension. I mean, of God in that sense. Right. So, Yeah. Yeah, I was having a, um, you know, my 28th year, like everyone's 28th year is called a fifth house perfection year in Hellenistic astrology, but it's literally about creativity. The fifth house relates to um, what we create in terms of art as well as offspring children. Mm -hmm. And that's the year, how old I was when I first encountered your work. Um, and you're a Leo son. So having that like fifth house, you know, Leo, there's a correlation there. And yeah, you've taught me a lot about creativity as like being the vessel through which like we channel that cosmic creativity through. Um, and so I have this deeper kind of clunk. I love that word that you use around like recognizing what creativity is in a bigger kind of cosmic sense. Yeah. So, super. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here for. I mean, we're here for many things, but like, I mean, my, my feeling about our true purpose and our, our, and I'll just say our true purpose is to be fully expressed, like is, is to really be out of the way of our, our own, uh, out of our own way so that so that this energy can move through us and and really every single thing that i teach whether it's pussy practice or the foundations to energetic mastery or magic lit business or expression or any of these other things like it's all in service to the same thing which is like truth moving through you 
right? It's that's it. It's, it's many different paths. Same thing. I love it. Thank you so much, Perry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a really cool conversation. I love that we got to talk about some things I don't normally talk about. And um, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully people got something to take away from this. I'm sure. Yeah. I know like a lot of people uh, who listen to this podcast are into magic and spirituality. So learning about embodiment from a spiritual perspective is like really, is really aligned here. So thank you so much. Good. Thank you. Thank you.